two of them. Two, yeah, two of Karen Tejwani. Are you? Will you be relieved to finish the course? Yes, uh, it's been good for the most part. But yeah, I think I will be glad to be done with it. it, was, it was, the university, the university has been fun. I think the overall experience of it has been quite good. I'd say I've enjoyed the experience of you know moving abroad and and living a life here and expanding my own life has been quite good. Uh, so I will be quite sad to leave, but it's been a good three years, so I've enjoyed this. And where will you go? Uh, hoping to find work. Uh, hopefully, get into journalism, and get you know a sort of big break or a big entry, big entry into into journalism. So I'm going to be staying around in England. Hopefully, I can find work here. Very good. And your CV includes Wings of Change about Red Bull and Glorious Reinvention, the Rebirth of Ajax Amsterdam. You're also writing at the moment for Sports Fan Media. Apparently, you've just yeah, started. Just started. I have to start. Yes. I get, it's a World Cup year, so hopefully they'll keep you on until then because this is a packed year. Yes. There's a, an abridged summer. Next season's going to go on forever. Um, football, football, football. It does never sleep. It doesn't. It's not just football. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the summer starts with Commonwealth Games and uh, a bit of the Formula One, which is quite interesting. I do, I do, cover, I do watch a lot of sport, so uh, football's, not, football's sort of in the backseat until for now because this, this season has been a bit dull. <laughs> Compared to previous years, I think last night was the first time I enjoyed football this season. I watching Chelsea's Real Madrid. I think this season's been a bit of a, a transition year for football. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, um, especially for Watford, we're transitioning from a terrible Premier League team. Next season will be a really good Championship team, and then the season <laughs> after that, and so on and so forth. So, Karen, I asked you to name a couple of items for your wing of an Ajax museum, which I don't know if they've brought back. Is there an Ajax museum today? No, there isn't. Uh, there's obviously the stuff in the stadium, which is, you know, the historical thing you find in most places, but there isn't a museum per se. Hmm. That is a shame. I would put in the stick that Dennis Burkamp used to kick, you know, because he, when he was very young, that's how he learned close control, ball against a stick. But tell me what you'd put in. I went for one piece of video archive and one piece of physical item yeah the physical item was i don't know if people remember this or but it's mentioned in the book anyways if you don't remember it but um last season when ajax won the league uh it was obviously the covid season and the season without fans they did this thing where they burnt or melted their uh league title and made a couple of thousand stars from it for each of their season ticket holders now if it was my museum i'd like to keep a piece of that star uh, it's, it, it's got a portion of the actual league uh, title or the league shield, as it is the IWC title. Uh, so I'd like to keep a portion of that. I remember that. Personal. Yeah, that was a huge story because they had a video about it. it. It really did the rounds because it was a really good thing for for Ajax to do. And also they've won that trophy many, many times. Um, but yeah. I, I have an idea about what piece of video you're going to put in, but go ahead. The piece of video would be uh, obviously that Champions League run. Uh, I mentioned in the start of the book that the game against Real Madrid, 4-1 at the Bernabeu, is my favourite club football match of all time. Yeah, that would definitely be in there. I think the whole run was quite incredible, but that, that particular match was probably the most I've enjoyed football ever because it was... I can't remember the exact quote, but in the, the next day in, in the Dutch papers, there was one quote that went, this was an illusion. It was a bit of magic. that When you turn the television off, you sort of realise that it was real and it hits you that it was real. It felt that way... That game did feel that way. It, was, it felt like an illusion the whole time because you're watching Ajax, this team of up-and-coming players, most of them, most was, of them came through the academy. 
you you were watching and you had this childlike joy. Yeah, it was a childlike joy. It was it was strange because obviously when you watch football as a child, you don't have a team to support. You don't have well, the first time you watch, you don't have a team to support. You don't have a, uh, a this, this sort of innocence and this bias, this lack of bias towards and from you, or it wasn't my case at least. And that sort of thing came back when I watched this Ajax Real Madrid game because obviously you wanted Ajax to win because it was Ajax, this team of young people, young young footballers coming through against the back to back to back European champions. So you'd want the underdog to win, but this was a strange underdog win. Underdog win because an underdog win is mostly you know pass against the wall and hope for a bit of luck. But this was a team that actually went out for it, scored four goals and ended up winning in, in some stars. So I, I could talk about the age for that game. I could go on forever, but that that game is without a doubt my favorite club football game ever. There is something in epic poetry that I studied as an undergraduate. When I was your age, I studied epic poetry, and they have something called ring composition, which is when at the end of a piece, it harks back to something at the very beginning or that happens throughout a story or a poem. And Ajax beat Real Madrid in 2019 in the Champions League. In 2010, Real Madrid beat Ajax and that led via his columns uh, to a return for Johan Cruyff. And what you do in the book Glorious Reinvention is... You quote vast reams of what Johan has to say. There's even a book that Ruben Jonkind... Was it Ruben Consults called The Quotes of Cruyff? Yeah. He read the book Quotes of Cruyff. He uh, studied the book Quotes of Cruyff to sort of inspire his own career in sport. The um, influence of Cruyff led to something called a sounding board and the appointment of Frank de Boer, who won four titles in a row and after Michels and Komen became another manager to win the title as player and as coach. So these sounding boards... Are they going to be transplanted, or have you read about anything like it elsewhere? No, I didn't. I was quite surprised to learn how, how much impact they did have. I thought it was just you know a group of people that provide ideas, but they did, they did actually have a, a big say and a big influence in how Ajax was run and how it was supposed to be run in the future. So it was quite interesting to see that. Um, obviously, there were three different groups of them, and each of them had a different department to focus on which was football and off the pitch and marketing and all that. So it was, it was quite interesting to see how detailed Johan Cruyff was and how much he wanted to see uh, Ajax improve and, and the overall scope of the changes he wanted to make in, in his time trying to sort of reinvent the club. So it was quite interesting to learn about that. It, at the beginning of that, in about 2010, you say that when Ajax were winning the European Cup in the 1970s, there was talent, technique and discipline. When you were researching the early days, so 2009, 2010... Was there talent, technique and discipline? Or was this a result of 15 years of turning it into, what is it, Ajax Hollywood? I can't remember what you call it. It's like buying in superstars and not creating them. Yeah, that was ultimately the whole thing. I mean, there was talent and there was technique and there was discipline as well, but perhaps not in the way that you normally associate with Ajax, which is what ultimately frustrated so many people, most namely Johan Cruyff. Well, obviously Martin Yeol, who's big figure in English football, I wouldn't say the biggest, but he has an impact in English football. Martin Yol was the Ajax head coach at the time uh, that Johan Cruyff stepped in and said he wants change and Martin Yol didn't play football the Ajax way. We've seen it with so many clubs, well, two clubs namely in the past, Ajax and Barcelona. If there is an Ajax way or a Barcelona way, they want it to be that way and no other way. So, um, Johan Cruyff wanted to bring that back and there was talent in the squad. There were good players in there, especially Luis Suarez who scored, I think, 40-odd goals in, in one of those seasons. So it was there, but there wasn't that sort of continuation or continuity from the academy to the first team. They weren't bringing up enough players. 
the idea is for them to they can only buy players if they don't have a, a, a like for like replacement in the academy. So if Ajax are like are lacking a good enough midfielder, they will look for it in the academy. If they can't find it, they will spend money. But Ajax weren't doing that anymore. Ajax were just going out and spending money they had and hoping for the best. And oftentimes it didn't work out that way. So that whole process of relying on foreign transfers or transfers from other clubs didn't have to be there anymore because they wanted the academy to work out. The problem was, at the time, the academy wasn't very good either because, as you mentioned earlier, talent, technique and discipline, those were lacking in the academy from both players and coaches. Uh, so he wanted, so Cruyff wanted to bring that back. That was one of the main bases of the uh, revolution, which was to improve and ultimately bring back the glory days of the academy. And the glory days don't necessarily mean win games, but to become better players or to have an easier transition from being kids to ultimately senior footballers. Yeah. So that was the whole idea behind talent, technique and discipline. From Kids to Champions is one well-known book that I'm not here to promote. I mean, you can have a look at From Kids to Champions, the history of the Youth Cup, but we're here to talk about your book. Um, Ruben Jonkind comes out so well. He's an acolyte of Johan Cruyff, a specialist in organisational change. That sounds like a consultant to me. Um, and I love this quote. He wanted Ajax to be recognised by the football and that is, I think Barcelona is the same, and that's the Barca Ajax Cruyffian school of football, to recognise them by the football. Can you recognise, because you watch a lot of football, can you recognise a Bielsa team? Can you recognise a Guardiolaist team or a Mourinho team, which is kind of becoming extinct now, although it might pick up in the World Cup, but you can, you can recognise a Ten Hag team as Ajax. You can now, yes. I think that you know Ten Hag and Ajax are very well linked obviously the, he is the head coach of the club but you know you can recognise the Ten Hag team uh, nowadays because that he's stamped his authority on European football as a whole I think that's why he's become what he is today which is one of Europe's most highly rated managers so um, yeah he is becoming he, if things go his way he could very well become that sort of person who's, who in the future we all say yeah that's a Ten Hag team like how we say now it's a Guardiola team so he has made his mark I think that it's not very much talked about how much of an impact he's had at Ajax over the last four years because he joined at a time where it was a bit of an issue. There was a few issues facing Ajax, even though they reached the Europa League final. So he overcame those and he made his own team out of nothing. So, yeah, we can... we can The, the, the way his career is going, we're in a good position to say that there will be a Ten Hag team and you know, that's sort of the phrase nowadays. I hope that turns out to be in his, in his case. The thing that comes through in your book is that Ajax are a victim of modern football. I remember talking to Paddy Barkley about how to make Scottish football great again. He said, well, look at what Holland and Belgium are doing. Belgium are the best team in the world. In the 1990s, so many young Ajax players let, let their contracts run down and leave for free because of player power. Um, Frank de Boer kept having his pearls snatched away and Ten Harkis had to deal with it as well. So on that note, uh, I'd like you, with no warning, sorry about this again, to name the 2017 team who played in the Europa League final who lost 2-0 to Man United. Because none of them are there, apart from one. Before starting 11, I, there was another in goal yes. who was going to leave soon. I can't say position position, but Harris Lick was there, Davinson Sanchez was there, a yes. centre-half, one of them. I think it was Joel Weltman, the right-back. Yep. Uh, the left-back was, I can't remember. Gyro. Yeah, Riederwald. Riederwald. Palace now. 
Yes. Uh, in midfield, it was Davy Clarson. Yep. Uh, Lassie Schoener and was the third one? Was it? Was it Ziyech? Ziyech. Yeah, played midfield. Yep. Yeah, and up front it was Dolberg, Traore, and uh, I mean Eunice. Very good. You see. There you go, a star, a star for you. Uh, and De Jong, Van der Beek, and Neres came on. Klaassen returned to Ajax in 2020 after a difficult spell abroad. Sanchez was the guy whose um, Pogba had a shot, and it was deflected off Sanchez, who seems to have become, after doing really well at Spurs, he seems to be a target for them, and it doesn't look like he'll remain much longer. Is he too error prone, or is he just too young? I think he's a bit. I don't want to say erratic. He has that sort of tends to be a bit reckless at times. And, uh, you know, I, I was a bit surprised to see him leave at the time he left. I felt he, was, he could have done with a few more years at Ajax because he, he only joined for a season and then he left. So it was a bit of a surprise to see him leave, especially with that fee as well. It was about 42 million odd. So it was, it was quite a surprise, but I, I hope he picks up. He's still quite young, so he's got a couple of years left in him to judge. I, I do like him more than most other people give him credit for. The winning goal in the 2021 Champions League final was scored by an ex-Ajax player, Hakim Ziyech. Bertrand Traore is now squad player at Villa. Uh, Dolberg, I think, does he play for... Is he the one at Nice, Dolberg? He's the one at Nice, yes. Yeah. Uh, and as for Neres, I don't know what's going on with him. Is he a free agent now, or is he going to take part in all these kind of Shakhtar jamborees to... Like friendly games, he's going to be the entertainment in all of these friendly games as Shakhtar Donetsk go around Europe. I do imagine he is able to make a transfer for free because that's what the ruling is now. But yeah, I, I, I'm not sure he's played in a friendly. Yeah, I haven't been following it up, but I, I imagine he's able to play in a friendly as well as find a new club for himself. I, I do feel a bit bad for him. He just moved in January. And, mm. By February, the war broke out, so it's a bit unfortunate for him. I don't know what will happen to the transfer fee because Ajax recouped a lot of money. Well, the whole transfer fee because he came through. Yeah. That is That situation puts everything into context. But I remember watching that 2017 final, Mourinho parking 18 buses. Ajax have seven-tenths of the ball. Did you feel that on another night Ajax could have won that game or were they just Mourinho'd to submission? I think it's more than that. I don't, I don't think there was much of a chance for the Ajax team and I think that experience does play a part in this sort of thing because a cup final is, well, it's a cup final. It's it's, it's just, you know, smash and grab in a, in a sense. You can just have one shot and win the whole, the whole final. So I do think that experience played a part in that. I think that, I, I, I asked this question to Joel Weltman as well for the, in the book that had that Ajax team played together for a few more years, would they have won that game? And he said that ultimately it was a Mourinho team that was, it, it was one of those typical Mourinho teams that, play the final that they just knew how to win it wasn't very pretty and it wasn't the most attractive football at all he just wanted to get the job done and I, he, the feeling was that United knew how to get the job done and didn't care about how they did so it wasn't it wasn't a typical United performance either it was just trying to win the game and ultimately score two goals and won the whole thing so I don't think they would have won it it was just a case of having more experience having a bit more know-how than Ajax did. But, but Ajax keep producing these great young players from the foreland, the academy. But most, look, all of them left. Sanchez went to Spurs. De Ligt went to Juventus for a lot of money. Klaassen went to Everton. Uh, Ziyech went to Chelsea. Uh, Van der Beek is kind of in purgatory at the moment. You must feel sorry for little Donny. I do, yes. He's, it's a bit unfortunate. I think he's far more talented than than people give credit for. I hope that for, the, for his sake, he's still quite young, has to, should have a good career in front of him, hopefully. 
that when Tenar comes in, he is able to fix up and finally get to know what playing in England is like. That must be the dream because Van der Beek uh, may be privy to conversations with his old manager. So if Ten Hag comes in, we know that they're going to be linked. United will be linked to all of the Ajax team. Onana is on his way out for disciplinary reasons as much as anything else. And he's had injuries too. Do we expect a summer as well as the Mbappe and Holland circus, which makes a mockery of football and makes me not be interested in it? Are there current players in this... Ajax team who are ready for Premier League football? There, were, there are a few of them I would say are ready, but those few are probably going somewhere else anyways. Uh, Mas Rawiz has been at Ajax for quite a while. He's seemingly on his way to Bayern Munich, but I, I, I don't see why more Premier League clubs went in for him because he's out of contract this summer. Uh, Onana is also another one who I think would be quite a good fit at many clubs, but he too is on his way to Inter. Apart from that, Haller obviously played in the Premier League before, so did Tadic, so did Dilly Blind. But I do expect Lisandro Martinez to be the next, perhaps not this summer, but Lisandro Martinez maybe next summer, maybe in the winter, to be the next one to be sort of making a big move. And he is that sort of player. He has been quite, he has developed quite well. I actually, he's one of the most impressive players on that team. Uh, and even Anthony has always been linked, most recently to Man United. So uh, I expect him to be there for a couple, for at least one more year before moving. So there's a couple of good players in there, as there always are with Ajax. Mm, Ajax seem to be one of the departure lounge clubs like Dortmund or Benfica or the Red Bull clubs about whom you wrote. But I'm glad to see Aller um, in a team that befits his talents because he did so well at Frankfurt um, and then just couldn't get anywhere at West Ham. And he's now in a league where he scores plenty of goals. Not as many as Luis Suarez. Um, would you say that no Ajax player either from the academy or who have been bought in has done what Suarez did Per season, yeah, I think Suarez set the bar so high as well. I mean, even before Suarez, there were great forwards in there, and they weren't able to put up numbers as Suarez did. And I'm not talking about normal players. There was Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Klasian Huntla, uh in that early 2000s era that they came to, and they weren't able to do as well as Suarez did. So, you know, he is undoubtedly one of the 21st century's best forwards, and his record proves it. So, it's quite unsurprising to see that he did so well at Ajax before moving to Liverpool and Barcelona. But yeah, I don't expect his records to be broken for quite a while because it is such a high bar that he set. He, his numbers are in, in, incredible. It was good to be reminded of Luis Suarez at Ajax because he really did destroy that division. Were Ajax not doing what City Football Group have done with great success later on by rolling out operations around the world and associating themselves with a Belgian team? I mean, they were basically becoming Ajax Football Group in the early 2010s. In a way, yeah, and they were trying to well, they were trying to do what many other clubs did as well at the time, and just forming links with other clubs across Europe in a sort of developmental way. And it wasn't just stuck to Belgium; it was there within. They tried to form links with China as well, uh, and they, they're still doing that in a way. They're sort of trying to revamp it right now. Uh, but yeah, it is essentially another aspect of modern football where clubs try to European clubs try to form links with clubs uh, either outside the continent or smaller second division or third division clubs in the same continent to sort of work in a developmental way. So yeah, that, that comparison is fair, uh, but the difference is that City Football Group right now are pumping in money to to these clubs that, that are there, uh, that are linked with abroad, uh, but Ajax wouldn't do that. Ajax's partnership was purely developmental and there was some financial gain for both, but it was more seen as a talent 
production way than a money sort of thing where they pump money into clubs and made them successful. Yeah, but it's also, yeah, it's a marketing opportunity because they set up the Football Dream TV show, which was part of their tie-up with China. D- does any of that exist online? Not that I know of. There are videos of uh, certain Ajax figures in being in China and playing with academy players in China and meeting Chinese coaches, but I haven't come across the actual show itself. Maybe I haven't looked enough, but I did see videos of certain players. I, mean, I think Frank de Boer was there as well, even Edward Mandazal just being there and participating in training sessions and all that. Do Ajax still use the partnerships to get players in, particularly youth players? That stat that Frank de Boer promoted 22 players from Young Ajax to the first team. So do they still source players from around the world? I know there's one from Suriname in the squad. Uh, no, it's not. It's not been that way it's not perhaps not worked out in the same way as uh, as they would have hoped I spoke to a couple of people for the book itself and they said a couple of players came over to Amsterdam but but never actually made it to the first team or even the second team for that matter they just played in the youth teams and that's mostly been the case of them just not being at the standard Ajax want so no there hasn't been any players who've come through that system and, and really I would see that in football itself and not, it's not just Ajax it's, it's many other clubs where they bring in players from abroad give them a trial or two or give them a couple of training sessions and you know just send them back or ask them to find another club. So it's really, I would see that uh, these sort of programs work out in the way that it's ideally meant to work out. I've just clicked through to Young Ajax. Do you know that there's a young goalkeeper called Charlie Setford uh, who is of English descent, but he's, he's actually England under 18, but he was born in Harlem. Yeah. I've heard of him, yes. Very good. Now I, this is news to me. My heart lays at England. Um... And wow, well, that would be a, a, an amazing turn up. Uh, and his brother is also a goalkeeper, a younger goalkeeper. The potential is there. I don't expect the academy's ever going to run dry because of what Cruyff has built. Do you reckon that people who play on these indoor Cruyff courts around Holland, do you reckon they go and sign for Ajax by association if they get offered PSV or Vitesse? deals, they'll always go for Ajax because of the Cruyff Association. Well, I imagine so. I mean, if you are an Amsterdam person playing in those Cruyff courts, you want to be playing for Ajax itself. But I imagine that they would take up the most attractive offer they can, especially at that age when you want to find uh, any opportunity to get into professional football or, uh, or youth football in that case. Um, but that, that connection will always be there. We've seen lots of players like this who've, who've come through a bit right now, you know. Think of Ryan Gravenberg. Uh, in the past, people like Matthias De Ligt, who sort of grew up in these in these ways and eventually played for Ajax. So that that is ultimately the dream. But you know, in football itself, we've seen. I think the stat the other day that I saw where fifteen thousand points in football, there were fifteen thousand players attempting to get into the academy system, and only 05 percent of them actually make it professional. So it's just a case of taking up the best offer you can and living with that. Yeah, because you can be a professional sportsman, especially since. Football professionalised about 40, 50 years ago in Holland because just before the Cruyff era, it was all amateur. It was, yeah. It was before. It was just around the 1950s when the league went professional and that ultimately led to Dutch football becoming professional. So it was before that, there was always about there was always a debate about whether they should go and, and go professional and pay players these high wages because they were being uh, poached up by French clubs. So the decision, decision did work out and you know, gave us a very good Ajax and a very good Dutch national team. It may be that global football has moved on and the hyper-capitalist football means that it will be very difficult for Ajax to win the Champions League. Possible, feasible, but they'll just get picked off like a carcass in the way that Eric Ten Hag has been picked off by a multi-million pound 
contract. I mean, he'll he'll be set for life now, and he knows, as his players know. I mean, Frankie De Jong knew that if the offer from Barcelona came, he's going to go to Barcelona. So the nature of Ajax nowadays is as a heritage club. They're kind of like the Rolling Stones of football. People will go and see them, and you'll expect them to do all the old hits, maybe some Cruyff turns and three up front and a cool winger. But do you think that Ajax, the gloriously reinvented Ajax, can win, given the competition, the European Cup, in the next 10 years? Uh, I don't think so, no. But I think that they can go far if they keep doing things in the way that they have been doing. Uh, I thought this season would be the season where they have another of those 2019 games after they managed to go to the semi-final. But uh, it wasn't to be because they lost to... I wouldn't say a very good Benfica, but a competitive Benfica who had one shot on target all game and ended up scoring in the second leg, ended up winning the whole time. But I thought this season would be the season being, because they had a very good team, this was a second Ten Hag team after the first core left. But it, it, they need enough few areas like this where they can rebuild and, and reinvest properly and hope for a bit of luck in the end. But it, it seems unlikely that we will see a, top, a club from outside the top five leagues winning a European Cup or a European Trophy uh, for a very long time because that is the way football is going. To be unfortunate, but that's just how it is. Oh, it's horrible. It's it's really quite vile. Um, you said that you had to change the cover of the book. Ten Hag is there. Overmars is not. Uh, I forgot. I think I knew about Overmars's richness. He's not as rich as Flamini, but uh, through sports chains and a whole other, load of other investments in property. <laughs> Uh, Overmars has got a lot of money. He's still involved in football. He was involved up until about two months ago at Ajax. He was, uh, he resigned. Um, will the club replace Overmars? Yes, they're going to have to. I mean, they signed in uh, Klaasian Huntla as a sort of interim for this season. And they want to involve him in the football activities for next season. But they are planning to get a proper, full, experienced uh, director of football for next season. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's one of the former Ajax players again. Uh, you know, a couple of months ago, I don't, like, a couple of weeks ago, I don't know how much concrete there is in this, but there was a belief Clarence Seedorf would be quite interested in it. But I, I don't think he's ever worked in that role before, so it's even likely. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's another ex Ajax player who came in from those yeah. uh, 90s glory days who well, came back to the club. And... I can tell you who it's not going to be or whom it's not going to be because as of January. Louis van Gaal will step down to hopefully enjoy a retirement and finally enjoy it as much as he can with what's going on in his with his health. Is Ronald Koeman the, really, really the best person to manage the Netherlands? Really? I personally don't think so. I mean, I would have liked to see someone new. Uh, he, his last reign was quite good when he helped them uh, essentially get back to the Euros, which is quite nice. So I'm not, I'm not, it's not the worst thing in the world to have him back. Uh, but... It does seem a bit, a bit close from the from the KNBB to not go for a foreign manager, perhaps because they always seem intent on having a, a, a Dutch manager, and it, it seems a bit repetitive because Louis van Gaal's been there thrice now. Ronald Koeman will have been there twice, uh, and they keep having this sort of system where they have the same the same managers coming back and then considering doing it thrice as well. So there's, there's quite a few things that keep repeating. It gets a bit dull and a bit repetitive, uh, but if it works, then I don't see why this would change. I think Koeman's Kenya the first time felt a bit incomplete because he left just before the Euros so it'll be interesting to see if he can actually lead them to some major tournament which should be the 2024 Euros yeah Edgar Davids it'll be fun or Virgil van Dijk just let him manage (laughs) I'm 
looks like they do a good job. I mean, she seems quite smart to take it on. I think so. I think Vanson Company wants the Belgian job one day, unless he's going to be mayor of Brussels. But the Benelux nations, um, there is, there's in fact a book coming out on pitch this summer about the golden generation in Belgium. And isn't it fantastic that little countries like Iceland, and Belgium, and Holland, and Wales as well, are producing a lot of good young players, um, because the players are domestically playing with top talent. Um, it's why England, England's a bit bigger, but if you're here for the World Cup, I imagine you'll be watching it, They're watching the Netherlands try and win it. Um, I think it'll be Brazil or Argentina. What are the expectations for the Netherlands and for all these Dutch Ajax players um, in their group and indeed getting out of the group? I think they got quite lucky with the group stage. I think they, they got a good draw. I think it was the best possible draw because they were a part two team, so they avoided uh, one of the more difficult teams, I'd say. Uh, they got Kostar for the hosts. And the most competitive match I've ever been in against Senegal, I imagine that the Netherlands would still come out on top. Uh, I wasn't very happy with how they performed at the Euros. Uh, it was a bit underwhelming, especially when they appointed uh, Frank de Boer. It was a bit underwhelming. Uh, and they could have done far better than they actually did. But I think the World Cup is a chance to sort of rebuild that. And if Louis van Gaal's last tenure, if it's anything like Louis van Gaal's last tenure when they reached the, the, the semi-final of the World Cup, I think they should be able to do well. I think that Louis van Gaal is quite well suited to this sort of football. Obviously, there was a 2002 World Cup where there was a bit of a problem where they didn't qualify, but I think that it's, it's better, he's better suited to do it now, and I think that they'll do fairly well. I expect at least a quarter-final run, and hopefully the Ajax players can get a good, make a good name of themselves again. I think that it's, it's, it's set up well for people like Frenkie de Jong and Matthijs de Ligt, who've sort of become better over the last few years, especially de Jong right now playing with Xavi, so... Yeah. It's good for him. I think that they will do quite well. The worry, of course, is that, as we talked about at the top of the show, August, September, October, November, it is basically because they've brought the European competition forward two or three games a week. So squad rotation will be absolutely vital. But I can foresee Gareth Southgate, for instance, complaining about how the football calendar has been changed. Look, it's too late to complain for 12 years to complain. It's not going to change. Everyone's in the same boat. Get on with it. As a football, as a journalist, I mean, you're covering Formula One. Where there are whole, there are all lots of, well, for instance, they've got three races in America next season, which is three too many. Are you optimistic for the future of sport as a whole? If you're going into sports journalism, so much sports journalism is either personality-led or issues-led. You don't, people don't, and they try and make it stats-led. But if you had a niche as a, a journalist, like Fabrizio Romano has his niche. Karen Tejwani, author of Glorious Reinvention, The Rebirth of Ajax Amsterdam, out now, and good luck with it. What is your niche? I would say it is more human interest. I think I always enjoyed covering the wider side of football or ultimately sport. Stuff like the book itself, where I look beyond just the pitch. Now, obviously, no one's read the book, but once you read the book, you understand there's very little about what's happened on the pitch itself. It's that sort of thing. I do like the more human interest side of things, even with the Qatar World Cup. You know, just looking beyond it, the corruption behind it all, the human rights issues behind it. It's just, it's just what appeals to me more often because ultimately that, that is what journalism should be. It's it's covering wider stories. In, in the wider sense, what happens on the pitch becomes quite boring and repetitive. But beyond that, it's what's important, you know, telling the stories that are quite untold in a way. Um, so that, that, that would be my niche. And, you know, you mentioned earlier about 
me being optimistic about sports journalism from a journalist's perspective, it, there is optimism in the sense that there will always be a story. But from the human side, which is what everyone thinks of or thinks from, it's quite worrying that sport is going in the way it's going because of how corrupt it is or how inconsiderate it is. There's always an issue that can be avoided, and that's, that's a bit of a worry for the future of sport as a whole, but perhaps not for journalism. Well, you spent three well, years preparing yourself for this career, and I look forward to seeing your byline in print, online, on books, although you're giving that a rest for a bit, and why not? Because two of the last, what is it, two of the last three years you've been researching, and you deserve a summer. Yes. You won't have a World Cup this summer, um, but I hope you'll have a busy summer covering the Commonwealth Games. Will you get to go to Birmingham? Will you get accreditation for someone? Not that I know of, yes. I'd like to. It'd be quite interesting. Uh, it'd be like a mini Olympic Games, but I'd, I'd like to. The option's there. So if anyone is listening to this and fancies throwing an accreditation pass so you can enjoy Birmingham, which is a magnificent city, um, not as good as Preston, which I think is a town, not a city. We've had the city for 20 years now. I learned a couple of things. Oh, yes, it is. Well, I will come up to Preston. It's very easy for me to get there. Uh, I won't be there for your graduation. What's the date of the graduation? Uh, at some point in July. I'm not certain yet, but ah. uh, so I heard it at some point in July. That's very good. You should set up a table, get loads of books from Pitch, uh, who published <laughs> this book. Is it paperback, this book again? No, it's hardback. Lovely. It's, yeah, it looks quite nice. Uh, I'm quite happy to see it yep. in hardback. If you can find it with all the Cruyff stuff. Uh, in your local bookstore it's available on amazon it's through the pitch website and uh, congratulations on this it's an impeccably researched very well written very enjoyable very well sourced book thank you for writing it karen and uh, maybe we'll speak again but thank you for visiting for a second time the football library no problem thank you for having me it's always a pleasure thank you so much